On today's episode of Dispatch, not even half a basis point causes a freakout. Search trends that guarantee dividend growth. We were right about our safe haven predictions, and our oh sh moment leads us to Tsarist Russia. I'm Jeff Fox. This is the Dividend Dispatch. All right, coming up on today's episode, it's the Dividend Market Minute, Dividend Search Trends. Then it's over to 15 stocks that go ex-div next week. And lastly, we'll take a look at the fan favorite, the oh sh moment in which the Russian czar in the 1860s gives America a gift that keeps on giving. Stay tuned as I promise to keep you edutained. It's going to be a fun one. Time now for the Dividend Market Minute. Well, the markets are pricing in volatility, as we can clearly see. We're all watching it, and there's not much that we can do. I guess just sit back and let it unfold. And maybe I seem too calm. Sure, there's lots to be worried about. I mean, the Saudis are at odds with Iran. Iran is holding up U.S. sailors. ISIS is still, I don't know, trying to resurrect the Stone Age. North Korea testing deadly weapons and then there's china the second largest economy in the world and they're fighting the flu bug that's been going around as of late i guess we could put it that way dropping through that support line of 3,000 points a few times in the previous week of trading which in fairness has been happening here and there since august too bad uh didn't win that powerball fund so with so much uncertainty in the world shouldn't i be more terrified well yes but I do own dividend-paying blue-chip stocks, which I'd imagine you do too, which is why you're tuned into this show. Therefore, there's no nausea at night when I lay down, put my head on the pillow. There's no anxiety when I sit down to eat, and there's no tension when I'm hanging out with my friends. A curt reminder that over the last 40 years, 71% of market returns have come from dividends. So even if the market goes flat and right, or down and right, there's going to be dividends at the end of the day. Would I like to see double-digit growth again? Yeah, sure. But for now, the dividends are hard at work. Quick update. We speculated a few shows back that ahead of the rate rise, banks were a smart buy. Well, they're holding steady. And we speculated that REITs were a smart buy. And they too are holding steady. And we've got an article on Dividend.com right now at the moment on five healthcare REITs that have held strong in this recent downturn. So check it out. Healthcare always being a good safe haven and REITs, well, they're performing well. Shout out to Abhishek Gupte and Paulo Herman who put that tidbit forth. So if you're panicked, stop. If you're thinking of selling as some genius at RBS recommended doing on Tuesday, stop. And I promise that I'm going to stop reading like I'm reading a telegram. Stop. If this were a visual show, this is where I would show you the best graph I've ever seen ever. Across the x-axis, I'm going to explain it to you. Across the x-axis is a timeline of 10 years. On the y, it's incremental units of growth for the S&P 500. And in that chart is every doom and gloom statement made by notable economists in that time span. Things like, the real crash is right ahead. Sell now. The real crash is coming soon. You name it. They said it. 
and each statement was matched with a corresponding arrow pointing to the line on the graph where the market blipped down for that brief moment in which that statement was made and the market panicked. And then it was matched to the corresponding uptick that occurred in the coming weeks after. Up and right. Up and right. Am I bearish at present? Yes, at present. I'm a little bearish. There, I said it. Like I said last week, we live in selfish times. Instant updates, instant news, instant gratification. Gimme, 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 gimme now. Well, that's not really how things work. Short-sighted thinking leads to big mistakes. Imagine if Tom Brady only watched the receivers that are 10 yards ahead of him. Deflated footballs or not, he'd be headed for a lot of games chock full of zero gains and a lot of sacks. Then Giselle would leave him and it would be bad for business. Tom Brady looks downrange. He's not looking at his shoes. He's not looking at five yards ahead. He's looking downrange at what's open and what's coming. He's not throwing Hail Marys either. He's calculating and looking ahead. Aside from that, there are a number of major news agencies who subscribe to the Mark Twain theory of never letting the facts get in the way of a good story. And that scares people. So here are some real factoids for you. Let's start here on home soil. Unemployment numbers, they're holding steady. The last three times they've been presented, they've held at 5%. Non-farm employment change smashed expectations, and I mean smashed it. Estimates were roughly 200,000 new jobs. The actual number was 292,000. 292,000 versus roughly 200,000. I even read somewhere that this number was so positive that it could be the first big indicator of another rate hike in March, but I don't want to go there yet. Not yet, anyways. That's just something that I read. Also, consumer spending supports the consumer growth narrative, and government spending is expected to step up as well. China. China's kind of like that celebrity du jour that the paparazzi just can't get enough of. Expectations are so high, and every move is scrutinized, analyzed, and published to death. Again, this is the world of instantaneous news in a hypersensitive time. Here's a dramatic reenactment. Are we there yet? No. 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 Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. It takes time. I'm going to steal this right from a Tuesday Wells Fargo report. That's right. Together, we'll go far. See what I did there? And I quote, The latest episode of nervousness seems to have been triggered on January 3rd with the release of the December manufacturing PMI, which dropped further to 48.2 from a previous reading of 48.6, compared to a market expectation of a slight improvement to 48.9. In the realm of things, the difference between 48.9 and 48.2 is minuscule, almost non-existent. End quote. In other words, we're playing in the realm of 0.4 basis points, and people are reaching for the launch codes. If Usain Bolt ran a nanosecond slower than his world record, but still takes gold, his career isn't over, but according to some, in this case... He'd be done. Coincidentally, though, Bolt did get hit by a Segway while in China, and it did almost wreck his career. Luckily, it didn't, so I can laugh at it now. If you haven't seen it, Google it. It's quite shocking. As for next week, in terms of data, 
We'll see key inflation metrics as well as housing-related information. Both of these items could be very telling on the future outcome of the economy and the Fed and what they'll do with future interest rates. Again, I don't want to touch that yet. Also of note, weekly unemployment claims. What also could impact investors is the ramp up to earnings season. We'll start to see many more reports starting to roll in. And with those reports, there will be a hefty dose of forward guidance. Those outlooks, if they are poor, could further derail recovery. All in all, the ahead week promises to be bumpy. Despite the holiday on Martin Luther King Day, things could be rocky. So sit back, collect those dividends, and take a big, deep breath. Time now for the 15 big name stocks going ex-dividend next week. And with markets down, it could be a good time to grab a few bargains and make a few bucks on the eventual rise we'll see in the future, along with capturing some of those early dividends in no particular order. Clarecore Inc., LTC Properties, Procter & Gamble, U.S. Ecology, CVS Health Corporation, Cooper Companies, Core Labs NV, Tyco International, Apache Corp., C.R. Bard, C.R. Bard, I'll say that again in English, C.R. Bard, Marsh and McLennan Corporation, and lastly, Williams-Sonoma. Dividend Search Trends. Let's take a look now at Dividend Search Trends, where we see the power of the prediction in these search queries. When hundreds of thousands of queries fall into the same five items, we find that very interesting and very noteworthy, and thus we think we should share it with you because you probably too find it to be interesting and noteworthy. Hopefully you can spin it into something useful in your portfolio. At number five, it is Apple. Speculation is such that Apple will likely raise its dividend. And just as a side note, we'll likely have an article on that on dividend.com next week. Apple is a strong company with a PE of 9.2, which is ridiculous. Thus, there's a lot of value there. The stock price has been beaten up a lot lately, and they're reporting earnings on January 26th. All of these factors are contributing to the search of this ticker on Dividend.com. I should note that search queries for this stock are always high, so we really only report the big, big jumps in the trends. Full disclosure, to keep me out of jail or out of the SEC's bad books, I am long on Apple. At number four, it's gold. Gold, obviously... This is a safe haven play given some of the insanity lately. Taking in the three spot, General Motors. They've increased their dividend and they're also expecting a good year in China. But I think everybody has been saying that lately. However, they take the third spot. Number two, ConocoPhillips. The theory here is that oil prices are so low and so beaten up that the long play makes too much sense to pass on. Even if the prices slip a little further, the upside gains in two to three years from now, along with the dividends, is apparently worth paying attention to, according to you, the searcher. And number one, it's Ford. They plan to give away $1 billion more in dividends in 2016. This is a special dividend that will be paid out over the next calendar year. So don't deny yourself this gift. The ex-div date hasn't yet been released, but if you're thinking about buying Ford stock, well, maybe now is the time. They too are expecting strong Chinese sales in the coming year. And of course, now there's a billion dollars worth of dividends being added to their current dividend. So have a look, give it some thought. Oh moment. It's time now for our oh moment, a segment of the show in which we look at some of the biggest financial blunders in history. And in this week's 
episode. The financial blunder is another one of those things where it's only bad depending on what side you're on. And today we're going to focus on the Russian sale of Alaska to the United States in 1867. And during this time, Russian Emperor Tsar Alexander II didn't truly see Alaska for what it was. He knew that it had resources. That's an old myth that they just didn't realize what it was. They knew it had resources, but for the most part, he saw Alaska as nothing more than a headache covered in ice and snow. Alexander feared a forced takeover of Alaska by the United States. He thought that would happen eventually anyways. So naturally, he tried to get ahead of the problem by selling the territory to the very government that he feared would attack him. And when you think about it, that's not actually a bad play. Kind of get out ahead of things and make a few bucks on on it at the same time. However, the asking price is sort of where it stings. $7.2 million was the price tag. And when you adjust for inflation between 2016 and 1867, it's still less than $120 million. And you'd think the deal would only be upsetting if you were a Russian at the time. Uh, You'd think that, but sentiment of the day from the average American questioned the deal as well. To them too, it was nothing more than frozen tundra and the money could have been spent better elsewhere. And you may think, was Russia so daft? And if you go back and you look at some of the media articles of the day, the Russian media questioned why the Tsar would sell a resource-rich parcel of land. They knew, as I said, that it had valuable deposits of resources and minerals, etc. Probably didn't know how big oil was going to be in the future. But there's always a but. The Crimean War had left Russia in a financially tight situation. War with the Ottomans, France, and England combined had depleted the Russian army and Russian coffers. And the thought of protecting a piece of land that wasn't actually on Russian soil seemed daunting, expensive, and perhaps borderline impossible to Tsar Alexander. Thus, it was better to sell the land and save the headache. And hey, timing is everything, and the U.S. capitalized on this handsomely. Within 50 years, the U.S. had made back 100 times its investment, and Russia would rue the day that it sold that territory. But hey... Hindsight is always 2020 and goes to show the value of long-term investing. We're coming to the end of the show, and I just want to thank you for tuning in. We set a record number of listens and plays last week, and that feels so good. You don't even understand. It It feels really good. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of that. And just remember, as you brave a lot of red on your tickers and perhaps a lot of negative numbers in your portfolios, just remember... There's always a dividend waiting for you on the other side. Speaking of the other side, I look forward to talking to you next week.